You're tuning in to So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes UFC. This week, we give you the best of Steph Curry and his injury. What does that mean for the Warriors? The Nationals winning the World Series, but really more about how baseball has expanded their playoffs and how that may affect the NFL. Uh, now we have Harden going off on a really great tear against uh, a team a couple of days ago with a 59-point game. And we're going to throw in, of course, the Carl Anthony Towns versus Joel Beef, well, the fight on the on the floor. Just to also end out, it's going to be some, a little bit of KD, and we're going to see where LeBron stacks up. But before we really get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex, and Mohammed, go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all the listeners. Thank you for listening, and definitely subscribe to our podcast and our other platforms on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, yeah, press that subscribe. Press that subscribe. Now, uh, we first get into it, of course, with the big fight versus Carl Anthony Towns and versus Joel Embiid. This happened Wednesday, which... A lot of people woke up on Halloween to all the news about this fight. Uh, well, it's really whatever you want to describe it as a fight. But we're going to quickly ask, how do you see people treating Cat after uh, holding his own against a, well, highly known beef starter? I think Carl Anthony Towns, he probably won't be messed with as much. He had had enough of it. Carl Anthony Towns... He had been putting that soft label on him, especially by uh, one of his previous teammates, Jimmy Butler, who was who became a teammate of Joel Embiid after he was traded. And he probably talked some trash about him, saying that both Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins were soft. And, you know, Joel Embiid, he's going to play on that because, I mean, he's a joker. He he just likes to get people riled up. So he. He's tested him many times, but Carl Anthony Towns, he had enough of it, and he said he wasn't going to show him up <laughs> on live TV like that, so they went after it. Now, uh, Ben Simmons, he might have to see them hands too, but Carl uh, Anthony <laughs> Towns, I, I think he he stood up for himself, and he might still get that soft label some, but not as much as before. I can agree, and I'm going to give you even more history, because he gave you a good amount of history, but... Jimmy Butler, who now plays for the Miami uh, Heat after getting traded from the uh, Philly Dallas 76ers, where he played with Embiid, and he was previously on the Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns right before being traded to Philly. That's his timeline. This is what makes him significant in this story. He took the starters, uh, minus him, and it took a third-string uh, team of players, and straight took the soul of the starters. And to this day, we refer to this practice as where pretty much we we see Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns as soft. Even though they don't, they don't fully display it, but I'm actually a little bit leaning towards that side too. Um, but to answer the question, how does it look after the fight uh, between Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns? It actually it looks good on Carl Anthony Towns. It, it really does. It, it says I'm not about to take you all anymore. It just that's what it's going to be. And maybe this actually is a push that pushes him past just a 
star to a superstar because he's he's really been bordering that by his talent, but he had that soft label that has been holding him back. Yeah, I would agree. That soft label has held him back, and also just the Minnesota Timberwolves. The one time that he's been in the playoffs, they barely got in, and it was because Jimmy Butler, he was injured. They would have gotten further in the playoffs, but they just got a bad playoff seeding with a, a eighth seed whenever they went to the playoffs, but just the lack of playoff experience and wins, it it puts him on a lower level along with the soft label. But um, people aren't going to mess with him as much anymore after that. And if they are going to succeed, um, he needs to have a, not a tough guy, but somebody that he doesn't want, that nobody wants to mess with. I, I really hear you on this, but I think this is going to be more about him in this situation than the people, other people's perception of him. Because I think people are still going to be lined up to try him. I, I think that's just what he's going to have. That's just going to be the scenario. He just needs to be ready at all times. I think he needs to be getting, come that hard that he takes people's hearts. He takes their hearts back. And if they want to line up, he's going to knock them down. That's the best strategy strategy for him right now. Maybe. Um, I, I also think, uh, what's his name, Blake Griffin, he had that label for a little bit. Like people mm. would try him. But he, people don't try him anymore. I mean, he's not looked at as a star that he once was. You you don't see people try Blake Griffin like they used to. I mean, he's a bigger guy. He what? Go ahead. Well, because all of them got dunked on uh, in the past uh, five to ten years by him. He was murdering people. He was he has a collection of bodies up under that rim. Yeah, he he does. But he he did have that label of him. Um, I'm not sure why, but people just tried him. Um, I, I think there might have been certain players. Uh, I don't think that was an overall thing because I can't remember exactly. I know you're right. That that label was out there, but I think it really was more a certain maybe three to four people like uh, main uh, basketball players who had that perception of him or treated him like that. They really just didn't respect him and they made him give him his, the, the respect he has now. Yeah, he has more more respect in the league, but he's not looked at as the same player. I mean, I mean, he went to, to the Detroit Pistons, which well, that was not his really fault. that good. No, it's not his, his fault. fault. The team traded him, and that's why he does not get along with his uh, the current owner of the Clippers now because he said he was going to be a philosopher. He is his he was going to have a banner up there. His number was going to be retired there, and literally within the same year, traded him to a team that is not competitive and has not been competitive for a good while. I'm not saying they haven't won championships, but it just they haven't been competitive in a very long time. Yes, that's very true. Um, we are getting off topic. Oh, yeah, very, 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 very <laughs> off topic. You're right. You're right. You know what? Let me reel it in. Because they did get two uh, game suspensions off of this. And Ben Simmons, if you saw the video, had his neck around, his arm around uh, Carl Anthony Towns' neck. Um, and he received no games. So I asked, do you believe that Ben Simmons was really a peacemaker? Or was that more behind his, uh, was there more behind him choking out Carl Anthony Towns? Really, I, I think Ben Simmons, he just wanted to protect his teammate, so he was fighting for his teammate. He wasn't trying to break it up. He was just trying to help Joel Embiid um, fight Carl Anthony Towns because, I mean, 
if you're a peacemaker, you you know, you holding people back, pushing them back. You don't put your arms around their neck and put your body on top of them. That's just ridiculous. And for him, not for him not to get anything, no fine or anything. I think that's egregious. Well, I think he played it perfect. He just played it perfect by the cameras. Like he did everything within the lines between Peacemaker and I'm um, fighting for my uh the person on my same team. Because he was trying to separate them a lot of times, but he was facing a player who is not on his team. So that does give you the art like make you want to argue what his real uh goal was there or what his uh motivation was there. So he doesn't push back hard Anthony Towns. He might have maybe looked at him once and pushed him away, but he – I'm not sorry, not Carl Anthony Towns, but uh, Embiid, he didn't really push him away at all. So I would say if I really had to criticize, like break it down in my head, I don't think he thought he was fully fighting for him, but, uh, yeah, he was definitely fighting with Embiid. So he should have got at least one game. Yeah, and I actually think these suspensions are soft. Two games is not much at all. They're probably going to take what? that off during the season anyway. Well, like, it, man, that's arguable on soft because the league has gotten real, real soft. Before, players, I don't even think, got suspended a lot of times unless they actually swung on each other. I mean, sorry, not just swung, but actually hit each other. They had to hit each other in the face. Like, not hit each other in the body. They had to hit each other in the face to get suspended. Uh, that's the way the league used to be. So... Two fines is actually a step up from where they were before. Two year, uh, two uh, games, not two fines. But with this newer league with uh, less tolerance for fighting, and, I mean, this was probably, like, the actual biggest fight in a while because usually there's some pushing and talking. Maybe well, the Chris Paul. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, that happened last year. Uh, Rondo got more games than this. I mean, right. I, come on! Now. I think he got like four. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's that's what I'm saying. This is, that, that's but a I think soft he hit, penalty. Did he hit uh, Chris Paul in the face? No, I forgot what he did. He he's they said he well he spit on him and some uh Brandon well, Ingram kind of egregious. Brandon Ingram came in with a swing, but he missed. Mm-hmm. Gosh. But these <laughs> these actually connected like they were tangled up and everything like this was an actual fight, and for the league what it wants to be looked at as, I would think they would come with a stiffer penalty. I, I thought that was just soft. Two games? I would think at least five to ten range. Make it significant so they know not to do it again. Well, that, that's that's kind of mm, that's a little extreme. I, I don't think so. I, I, well, I know that it's a 82-game season, but... Uh, I don't think they really want to downplay these type of things. This was a cuddle match, if we really want to look at it. <laughs> like, it was an aggressive cuddle match, but it was a cuddle match. They didn't really hit. Like, now, Carl Anthony Towns swung. He just didn't connect. And I'm not saying he wasn't far, far off from it. So, off of that, I would have maybe gave – I actually think it's mm, – at most, I would give one more game. But five games, I can't agree with. I, I just think it's a, a, a really soft fine. I, I I would think that the league would give more games to send a message, well, but two games is nothing. Five games is like two, maybe two and a half weeks sometimes. That's a long time not to be playing basketball. 
you affect the product, and you you, affect, you send uh, a message. Well, yeah, true, but th- this is they, they don't want things like this to ruin full. Uh, like I, I understand you saying send a message. I I hear you, but this is not the NFL. They don't have that type of stronghold on the players. What What do you mean? I- well, the NFL is a whole lot more like we can do what we want. We can find you how we want. We can uh, like there's no debating this. We're, we're going to win pretty much always when it comes to uh, suspensions and you doing something wrong. Um, if they were fighting on the field, NFL, what? They, just because there's less games. Yeah, they probably only get suspended for two to three games. That's just the way it is in the NFL because it's only 16 games. But with it being 82 games, that's still a lot. Five games is a lot. No, no, how? That's that's very tiny compared to 82 games. That's that's mm. not that much. Well, you you affect your product like you don't know what that lines like. You can look at it, but you don't know if you set that standard and this happens like this where they don't even actually connect. That means you're gonna have to give even more. Uh, than that. You're going to have to give more than five uh, games if somebody actually connects out there. So that means it's going up to like 10, to be real, if you're really uh, going to connect. Like, I'm talking about connect and then somebody hit somebody in the, in their faces. So... Well, I, 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 go ahead, sorry. So, with that being five games, you're, you're messing up your broadcasting dollars. You don't know which lines up with uh, broadcasting big games. And For example, they, they played on a Wednesday there. If they gotten suspended where he's playing Friday and Sunday, uh, that's already messing up major, uh, major broadcasting times, like where they're, the main stars are not there, so things are highly affected. So you you just talking about the money side, but yeah, I still because think it's, it's, it's all about the league. It's still always about the league. This is entertainment. We, we they don't care. Like if people think they're fully honest in the way they put things out on the like for teams, like punishments and everything, that it's all about what really benefits them, whatever whatever league it is. Well, I, I just think that the penalty was soft. As far as the track record for Adam Silver, he's he's done a great job. Um, and what he's done, but I, I think this was his first mistake. Agree, yeah. And we were we we haven't even got past two questions here. We're we're <laughs> uh, so I'll go ahead and go to the last question on this. In the end, and we'll keep it short on this one. Uh, in the end, who is winning in the quarter of opinion when it comes to this heated beef between and Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, and Joel Embiid? It's hard to say. Um, I, I think it's pretty even. They didn't come to those, but no, nobody really got beat up or anything. Uh, it was it was really just a pretty quick fight, but I, I think it was a fight that it sent a message that Carl Anthony Towns is not as soft as people were saying around the league, like Jimmy Butler or whatever. But um, Joel Embiid, he's still going to be the same guy. So I, I think it's pretty even. Well, to keep it short, I think in a quarter of opinion, it's Embiid. Uh, but you're, you're kind of right. It's kind of even on this. It's kind of like it benefited both of them. It was not negative for either one. Like, Joel Embiid is still Joel Embiid. Um, he won a Twitter beef because Carl Anthony Towns only responded once, and it was quite aggressive. Like, he was ready to uh, see him in the park. And but Joel Embiid, of course, came back with more like mean type stuff. You know, he's just more with the social media and 
court of opinion with fans. So I think he's still one in the Twitterverse and IGverse and stuff like that, social media. But when it comes to the world of actual basketball, like the other players and stuff, that world, he, uh, Carl Anthony Towns won. Yes, I would agree. Um, Carl Anthony Towns showed that he wasn't soft, as people say. Agree, agree. And uh, to move on, now Steph Curry has broken his hand, and it's more bad news for the Warriors. He's out for three-plus months. Uh, this also comes behind Clay Thompson being out for the season, um, and there being no, there not being any Kevin Durant at the Warriors. So this team doesn't look like anything it was last year. Uh, you add on D'Angelo Russell coming from the Nets on the sign of trade for KD. But uh, quickly answering, before Steph got got injured, at one point the Warriors were losing by 30 points. Since they do not have Curry out, since they have him out for three months, does it let the Warriors off the hook with planning to tank? Uh, it it actually does let them off the hook because really all of their players are hurt. Even Draymond Green and uh, what's his name? Um, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell. They oh, missed D-Lo. the last game. Yeah, they they so they have a lot of injuries. Um. Draymond Green, he's going to be out for a little bit, I think, and also Steph Curry. So really, they have no stars except what's up, except D'Angelo Russell. But um, it's it does let them off the hook. I would have liked to see that Warriors team after Kevin Durant, the post Kevin Durant era, but we're just going to have to wait until next year to see that happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I think they may get a better product. Uh, they have a fortunate, fortunate accident. That's what happened. Because that's uh, his legacy was going to take a hit if they didn't make the playoffs. Now he's completely let off the hook. Because even if he came back, uh, that's that's kind of serious to break to break your hand. It, it just it is kind of serious. It's not a shooting hand, which is very fortunate. But he still was breaking a hand. Uh, when you're in a game of playing with your hands it, the entire time uh, with the dribbling and everything and shooting. Uh, so I would say, yes, it completely lets them off the hook. Uh, they are actually prob- they're already starting to look like they're tanking where uh, the game after Steph got hurt, uh, Draymond was out with a hand, some type of injury. I'm not even going to say it was hand. It might have been something else, but it was something small. He said he was out for the game, and D'Angelo Russell also said they were out of the game. Why would you not have a single star, even if it's some small injuries? It's because they're tanking. Yes, exactly. But that really might not work in their favor because of the new uh, draft system. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. So I'm going to move on and quickly ask – how fast do you feel that people are jumping off the Warriors bandwagon or are they really sticking in there? Well, um, I, I'm pretty sure they had a lot of bandwagon fans and a lot of haters, but I feel like most of their fans are younger children because, I mean, they they were the first team that they saw one, so they gravitate towards that team. But they're there probably are those fair weather warrior fans that are just jumping straight off that bandwagon because they're not used to losing. This team has been winning and going to the finals for the past five years. And with the product that they're putting out now, nobody wants to stick around for that. 
completely agree. And uh, just to get quickly off the topic before, before I even talk about the topic, they're losing no dollars because their seats have been bought, sold out for a good while now, even in that, that, that expensive new building. Uh, but to answer the question, people are jumping off this ship quite fast. There's not enough ships for the people uh, jumping off this boat. Uh, but I actually think they're over here jumping on the Clippers bandwagon, anything anti-LeBron. If you, it, it was kind of like the effect of the Lakers and LeBron. A lot of fans who were Laker fans, real Laker fans, did not like LeBron. And they had a problem with that uh, joining in their head that they're rooting for LeBron on their own team all last year. I think it's been healed this season. Uh, but that's the same thing that's happening with these uh, with Golden State Warriors right now. Uh, and the fans of the Golden State Warriors is anything anti-LeBron. And the best anti-LeBron is uh, Kawhi right now with at the Clippers in L.A. Yes, I would have to agree with that um, analogy. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, moving on, uh, KD, Kevin Durant, went on first take on ESPN on Halloween Day to clear up a little uh, rumors that were surrounding, surrounding around him while he was a part of the Warriors. And he is going to be out for this full season uh, with the Nets, uh, even though he's joined a new team. So one of the biggest highlights of the whole interview and him being on first take with uh, Stephen A. Smith was his comments saying that Draymond's uh, fight earlier last season was was a reason for him leaving to sign with the New Jersey Nets. So what percentage of his move was pre predicated on the fight with Draymond? I would say probably... I'd say probably 30%. I say 30% because there's another 30 for just the way that they treated him in the finals. And then another 30 for just never feeling like he was really a part of that core group of Warriors because he wasn't there whenever they won that first championship. And the whole thing with Draymond Green, it, it really, that was the last straw. Because he 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 always felt like he was never a part of the core of that team, and that just confirmed it. Whenever Draymond Green said the words "We won before you even came," so it was almost like we don't need you, and that's where he felt like I don't belong on this team. And I'm pretty sure that uh, made his final decision like this was going to be my last year playing for the Warriors, no matter what happens. So so what percentage what of it? was a part of his move that oh, I, I, I say about 33 percent i said 30 somewhere that adds up to 100 you know one third okay i can actually completely agree on that 33 um because i think the others might have been uh location and location and marketing like a whole business aspect and the other 33 and the other one uh, might have been the passion he got when he would play at Rutgers Park during the summers while he was in New York. And I think he really loved that. I think people actually uh, underestimate that uh, what was happening in those summers when he would play out there. Um, so I, I think that's yeah, I agree. Thirty three percent of that was that fight. 
And I, I actually, and just to kind of go over what you said, uh, you said that at that moment he felt he was a part of the Warriors. He never felt he was a part of the Warriors because he wasn't. And we all knew that. And everybody's seen that. And he's even felt that. So I don't know why he's ever ignored that. Uh, other than now, when he wants to say, hey, I, they never treat kind of treated me like a full teammate. That's what he's kind of coming off as because it's really just a wine party. <laughs> yeah, he um, he's just looking for sympathy, uh, but he probably still has haters out there. I mean, I I feel a little bit better about him, but it's there's still that dislike for the move that he made. But Kevin Durant. Um, he should just move past that and just stop talking about it. Yeah. So with all said and done, how good do you think KD feels with the Warriors struggling, especially with Draymond being the only quote-unquote star player left on the team, if there's no not counting D'Lo, of course? Well, he's probably sitting back saying, I guess they do need me. <laughs> they, they said they didn't need me, but now they do. Yeah, I, I can uh, agree, but it, I, I think this is going to be a catch-22 for KD. I think the league is getting harder. The league is league is always going to get harder and harder uh, like it did for LeBron. LeBron, in a older type of generation, probably would have won a whole lot more rings. I just think because there's they, – they said it wasn't much parity in the league, but it, it was quite difficult during LeBron's time in the league where Spurs have been, had their uh, time. Just getting off of it, a couple different uh, teams have had their times. So I think it's going to be a catch-22 with KD. I think his whole legacy will be those rings, those two rings where he felt outside of the team, the two rings that everybody knew he was going to get, the two rings that he wants to actually show he's above when he's his whole setup right now is predicated on that because if he did not have a ring right now he would not be treated as he is right now and how would you say he's treated as a champion or just like i'm not sure i think he's treated as uh undisputed possible best of in the entire world i was healthy so 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 you know how people put with the quotations when healthy Okay, so you're saying currently he would be best yeah, player in the world. Right. No, no, I'm saying that without those rings, he would not be treated how he's treated. He would not have the show in the boardroom. He wouldn't have uh, them really making it. Like, he can't be out here saying, hey, I'm KD. Because any player can say that who's great right now. Like, Harden can say, I'm Harden. But the way he was saying it, like, hey, I got championships. Hey, I, I've, I'm out here. I, I got the podcast and dollars. I, I'm, I pull in everything. I am like LeBron out here. That's the way he was saying, hey, I'm KD. But without those rings that he got from the Warriors, because otherwise he would not have those. If he was not on the Warriors, I don't think he would have won any rings during that time. He would be left out of the party as he was supposed to be anyway. But that's what the white people don't like his move joining the Warriors. It's because he joined a party he was not supposed to be a part of. He uh, he really tipped the scales. Yeah, he tipped the scales, but I'm not sure if he would have won or not. I'm even so if think, he stayed so with the thinking, Thunder. So you thinking if he stay, stayed with the Thunder, they had no? Because I'm not sure. Sure, they wouldn't have any championships. That means they would have had to overpower the Golden State Warriors, which they might have in, in one of those years. Who knows? Because it wouldn't be with KD. But he doesn't give that possibility. 
he gives an overwhelming possibility even of the what actually happened. Him really tipping the scales to where uh, no team really had any chance when he's a walking 30. Well, when you say that, that, I mean, for anybody who becomes a champion, it puts them on another level to do anything and get their brand out there. I feel like the same thing happened for LeBron once he won that champ- that first championship. That put him over the edge to put his brand over the edge. I mean, he already had a big brand, but winning a championship put him in, in an even bigger light. I I still don't believe that the him moving to going to the Miami Heat was him tipping the scales. There was the scales were not overly tipped. They that showed in the first uh year he was there when they lost to the Mavericks. When I don't even really give him any uh excuse for losing against the Mavericks. Well, the the scales were tipped definitely in oh. their favor. They definitely should have won that finals. He just shrunk under pressure. But I, I'm just saying that even if you, you're talking about just tipping the scales, I'm not putting that in this, uh, putting that as a factor. I'm just saying anytime anybody wins a championship, that puts them on another level and gets their brand bigger. Agree. So we're actually talking on the same side of this uh, argument because I'm saying that KD would not be held as he's held in the minds of people if he did not have those championships, if he did not tip the scale. Otherwise, he would have been left outside of that party. He would have still been a walking 30, but he would have been a walking 30 the way you think of Harden. Yeah, he, he would be thought of as a player, a great player without a ring, still searching for one. Exactly. So he would not be held like Harden is not out here having the boardroom with ESPN. Harden is not out here having a personal uh, type of beef in a way with uh, Stephen A. Smith. To where he's kind of like the LeBron, like he's kind of cemented himself like a LeBron-like figure. He's like the number two right now. If not, actually, no, Curry is the number two spot in that. Hey, I'm like LeBron as a mogul. Uh, KD actually fits probably at three. Uh, but to go on, uh, we're discussing the Lakers versus Mavs game, which was a quite a stunning overtime game. Uh, LeBron, he. Uh, Put up a stat of 39 points, 12 rebounds, and 16 assists. While Luka was right on the other side for the Mavs, Luka Doncic, uh, had scoring 31 points, 13 rebounds, and 15 assists. Right on the tail of LeBron in pretty much every stat, only uh, getting one more rebound than LeBron. So is this LeBron showing he never lost a step, or is this just a blip in his season career? ending really i never thought that lebron lost a step he's been at his peak for a while now he is very experienced and he knows what when to be aggressive at times and when to fall back and put his other players or set up his other teammates to score and this was one of those times where he needed to go out and score and be aggressive. And he came through and did it also while getting a triple-double. But I do have to give credit to Luka Doncic because he he played an amazing game. Um, I wouldn't say he had a whole bunch of support. Uh, Christos Porzingis, he played well, but not well enough. Um, really, he I, I thought he kind of got handled, but Luka Doncic, he was amazing in that game along with LeBron James. 
agreed. They both had a great scoring match there. Now, I say, yeah, LeBron never lost a step. Uh, lost a step. I completely agree there. Uh, there's, it's just a quarter of opinion that he lost a step or that he's too old that he will lose a step. Like, they, like it's inevitable that any day he's just not going to be the LeBron we know. Uh, but if we look back at it, he's been quite amazing. Uh, just to kind of give you a stat, LeBron has scored in double digits in 99.3% of his 1,200 career games. That is absolutely amazing. 99.3%. Yeah, that is an amazing stat. He's been putting up stats ever since he entered the league. Um, and he will continue to as long as he's on the basketball court. Uh, LeBron, he's a very high IQ player, and he knows when to be aggressive and to set up his teammates. And um, I, I think that he'll continually he, he will he will continue to do that this season, and they will get pretty far in the playoffs. Agreed, agreed. Uh, now another standout player is uh, James Harden, who's coming off a 59 point game. Uh, he put up stats of 59 points. He was 18 of 32 field goal and hit six three pointers. Now, of course, he has his. Um, I'm not sure who's the Batman and who's the Robin, but let's say he's the Robin right now. Uh, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, and he came through with a triple double like normal. 17 points, 12 assists and 10 rebounds. So I asked, what's working for the Rockets? Right now, I I think the, the pace that Russell Westbrook plays with is really pushing the ball up the court like. Because every time Russell Westbrook gets the ball, he's running full speed, trying to either go to the hoop or kick it out to on the wing to a three-point sniper. And that fast pace is really helping the Rockets put up more shots um, and get people more wide open. I feel like Westbrook is being more of the facilitator in this team, and uh, James Harden is being the the better score. Um, James Harden, he's still assisting, but he he's putting up numbers and getting to the free throw line a lot. So I, it's hard to say who is the, the Batman and who is the Robin. Um, both of them handle the ball. Both of them have been on the court at the same time. They're not playing like they said in preseason where they were going to be playing a lot separately. They are playing on the court at the same time a lot. So I, I like what I see. Hopefully it continues and they can play well at the end of the games. I, I agree. I completely agree with your analysis. What's working for the Rockets is their plan. Uh, other than, the, like you said, them being on the court at separate times, because they have been on the court at the same time. It's their plan. Uh, Russell Westbrook driving down the lane and doing what he can until he gets in trouble and then wants to throw it off. And it's perfect for James Harden. James Harden don't want to do anything anyway. So he wants to sit behind the three-point line and wait for it. It is literally, I, I did not see it right in front of my eyes. They actually fit as a duo. Um, so I'll, I'll push it straight into the next question because it's actually more interesting of a question that, that kind of relates to what we were just saying there. Uh, should we give more credit to Dan Tony for his game plan and offensive mind? 
Yeah, we definitely should. Um, really, I think the Dan, Dan ah, I can't even say his name. Dan Tony. Dan Tony. Yeah, Dan Tony. I think his system has really helped out James Harden because it, whoever the ball handler is, it really helps them get better stats with assists and spacing and open shots. Um, and James Harden has been the best product to come out of that. I mean, he still is a great player, but D'Antoni's system really helps the the ball handler do well. Agreed, agreed. I think we should give him more credit because he has been an offensive genius, but we really don't give him credit on that offensive genius. We It's, it's crazy. I, this is really slightly off topic, but Steve Kerr has never needed to be an offensive genius. And he's actually been let off the hook uh, with the words since all of his players are hurt. Uh, but D'Antoni has been a known offensive genius, and we give him no credit because he can't get past a certain stage in the playoffs, even though he gets there. So, yeah, I really do think we should give him a whole lot more credit on his plan, especially when this one is working so well. Yeah, um, I, but we really need to see it in the playoffs. We need to see this team... <laughs> go deep in the playoffs. All this stats being put up in the regular season doesn't matter. We yep. need to see it in the playoffs. So really you're saying, no, he shouldn't get any credit because that is literally the hang-up on him and his offensive mind and his – I guess if you're – you can give him credit for the game planning, but you can't fully give him uh, credit for the offensive uh, genius until he makes it past a certain point, right? Yeah, you, you got to come through. If you just keep doing the same thing every year, getting to, I guess, a higher seed and then losing in the playoffs, then it, it doesn't matter. All those stats don't matter. You got to come through and win the championship. Agree. Agree. So uh, does this combo look like they will win a championship together? Um, It's hard to say. I mean, I'm, I'm wishing and hoping it does, but it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, if they can make their three-point shots uh, consistently, I think they can, but I'm not sure about that. I I say they've actually changed my mind a little bit here. They, they've changed my mind. I think they will get one, and I think they might be a dark horse for this season. Like, I, I didn't want to give them that much credit. It's not saying – actually, it's not that I didn't want to give them this credit because I don't dislike either one of those players. It's just other players to like. Uh, but, yeah, I really think they should be a dark horse for really winning this year. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely thought they had a chance of winning this year. I, I never doubted that they didn't have a chance. They just had a lesser chance than, let's say, the Lakers and the Clippers because of how they, they are built in – the players that have won championships before, but I, I would definitely put the Rockets in for a chance at winning the whole thing this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree, but it's still kind of hard to say that over the Clippers and the Lakers. Um, but we're going to move on to a different sport, which we don't really cover much and not like a lot of people want the information on them, but this is the world series. The nationals have won the world series despite the Astros putting up the best record all throughout the regular season for the MLB, the baseball league. Um, now, the Astros 
in that during the regular season won 107 games and only lost 50, where the closest team had 70, sorry, 97 wins and 65 losses. Now, the Nationals, they weren't too, too far behind the, the person who was right behind the Astros who lost the World Series. The Nationals, who won, won 93 games and lost 69. But that is a complete 19 more games than the Astros. Um, so where I'm going with this, the baseball has expanded their playoffs, which has caught a little flack since it's been expanded that it does not result in the best players or the best team winning the actual World Series because there's too much uh, room for a team to actually make a run in a playoffs, even though they might not have the best record, nowhere near the best record. But with that expansion in 1995, it has come under a whole lot of slack since then. And which team actually is going to win the World Series, even though they've done so well during the regular season. I relate this to the NFL, where the NFL is in discussions about extending the playoffs and shortening the preseason. So drawing it together and from an example of what has happened in baseball and how much flack it has taken in recent history since 1994, what are some of the effects that you think may happen by expanding expanding the NFL playoffs for when it comes to who actually wins the Super Bowl? I think it'll be the same result. Like you were saying, a team that doesn't do that well in the regular season, they have an even better chance to get to the Super Bowl because it only takes one game. Um, you saw that in pre- previous years where there was teams that didn't have a great record, make it pretty far. The New York Giants are a team that is a great example of that. I think they were like maybe nine and seven and went to the Super Bowl and won it. Um, so if you expand the playoffs, there's going to be an even bigger pool of teams that wouldn't have made it that previous year that really aren't that good, but, just got on a good run. Um, it does make parody, like it. It definitely does that, but I, I think it kind of waters down the product if you have more teams in the playoffs. Expanding the playoffs is, I don't think, would be the best thing for the NFL. Completely agree, but it is a very true uh, reality that may come up just next year. So I. I think the things that would happen to the league, like you said, actually, it would water it down. I I completely agree on it watering down the product because with football, there's a lot of injuries. If you don't get injuries, it's still a, a miracle when you don't do that. But you have to package your talent. Not every player is meant for an entire season, especially when it might be best I'm not quite exactly sure how it's going to affect. It may have it to where players are being set on a market for a good while, just so that they are good for the playoffs. It may water down the beginning of the seasons where people don't really want to play as much because they know that they have such a tail end on the back end of this uh, schedule. It could lead to more injuries where, uh, you know, playoff games are a whole lot more required and, 
everybody feels they're required, which means there's no slacking off between those games, uh, which changes the end of a season. I, I'm not quite sure, but it could be a lot of different results. Yeah, definitely. Um, players might be rested earlier on just to save their bodies for the playoffs because you have more teams getting in. And, of course, you want to get that really good record, but you might suffer a lot of losses on the way if you play too many of your players and then go up against that team that did worse and got a lot of their players back, and then you lose and all that. That that great record was all for nothing. Agree. So, will it will it make it to where people think less of the playoffs because the the winner is even more random? I actually think it might make people blindly think more of it because it's more parity, but there's more teams in it, so it's. It's less of the elite teams in it because the playoffs should be made for the elite, where it's just those top teams who win their division and then they go on from there and win the Super Bowl or whatever. It shouldn't be these extra teams who just slip in with terrible records. Agreed, because now I actually see where it may affect. It's it's two things it's going to do. If you expand the playoffs, it's actually going to stump out probably the Patriots, just their their run to the to the Super Bowl. And one reason why I think it may stump that out is because how many off games do you get winning your division at this point? You only get one. I really doubt they're going to give uh, any any top team a two game off in the playoffs just to make it to a certain round. So that has your players playing more often in a shorter, oh, sorry, uh, I, I guess a longer, yeah, a longer period. So I think it directly hits there, mostly with the Patriots because they always win their division, but it will water it down because you can't get that many off games in the playoffs if you expand the playoffs. Yeah, um, the more games you play, you're you're more prone to getting more injuries and messing up. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so we move on to the uh, the Panthers, where the Panthers are pounding on to another win without Cam Newton. They're gone. They have gone five and one in his absence. Now, after a big loss last week to Sam Fran, who is undefeated, um, a lot of people were clamoring for Cam Newton to return to his starting spot. But with the success being very high with the backup Kyle Allen, do you think that the Panthers are best to move forward with with trying to deal Cam Newton for additional pieces and try for a Super Bowl run? That does sound like a good idea, but I don't think it will end well for them because Kyle Allen isn't a I think he's a mediocre quarterback right now. I don't think he's really that great of a quarterback. Really, everything is being surrounded around the run game with Christian McCaffrey. He's having an amazing season. And with with Cam Newton, he's a game changer. Cam Newton, he's still trying to recover from his injury. He's trying to fully recover 
um, before he returns. He doesn't want to aggravate any type of injuries. He might be out for the rest of the season. We we don't know. But I think it would be a huge mistake to get rid of Cam Newton and go go forward with Kyle Allen. But, I mean, you could get some great pieces because I'm pretty sure a lot of people would jump at the chance of getting Cam Newton. Uh, agreed. Completely agree. So I'm kind of iffy on this one because for the Panthers, this is a medium to high medium uh, gamble. And they can really hit bust on this. They really, really can. Um, because if it does not end well and you give away such a great piece that really could look good on another team against you, uh, you, you keep you keep not wanting to give it up. And I do think it's too early in the season for them to pull the trigger on that. But it is a new owner of the team. There is a new direction to the team. They may be wanting to get a little new in that area also. Maybe. Um, Really, I think the perfect switch, like if they wanted to get rid of him as far as the situation, they trade him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because I, I don't think they uh, the, the Buccaneers want to keep Jameis Winston, even though I think he's playing well. He, he's playing better than he did in previous seasons, but he is a turnover machine. But they could get a lot of pieces with that Buccaneers team because they have a great offense. I agree, because I was going to ask, the next question was, uh, what team uh, do you see Cam Newton fit, fitting best on? I was actively thinking of the Bears. I, I was just thinking that was probably the best fit for him. Um, but looking at your scenario, we already know they're not trading for Jameis in that situation, and he just would probably get picked up by another team. What what would Tampa Bay be giving up? Because the Panthers would want their receivers, and I don't think the Bucks are willing to give those up. So you wouldn't give up one or two receivers for Cam Newton? That's kind of giving up the best parts of the team. Well, I, I say you give up Mike Evans and Jameis Winston for Cam Newton. I I say that's but, a pretty fair trade. But 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 the Panthers don't want Jameis Winston. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think he would be a pretty good player. I, I think he's better than their current if quarterback, anything, the Panthers. I don't think the Panthers are looking to get a whole new quarterback if they trade away Cam. I think they're going to ride with Kyle Allen and then uh, shuffle the pack, like get another quarterback if that does not work out. They, it's kind of like they were already thinking eventually if this did not work out this year, she was going to be gone. But they're kind of thinking, hey, we might be good to at least hold our own for a while. And, hey, we can at least stick in here to see what Kyle Allen can do because he's a great decision maker. Because he really does. He's a really great decision maker. He doesn't mess up. He's a good Tom Brady. He does his good Tom Brady impression. Uh, but, <laughs> Come on. You, know, Tom Brady yeah, you keep throwing those hits out there. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not a bad thing. Tom Brady doesn't make mistakes. The best thing about Tom Brady is he makes the right uh, plays. That's the best thing about Tom Brady. It's not his arm. His arm is not the best thing about him. It's his decision making. Making. I would say the best thing about him is decision making and the precise accuracy. But yeah, but um, that's, that's, that's still that's, off topic. that's still smart. But that's it, that's smart. still in the same box. It's still in the same box. Like but, it's not but, impressive. It's just accuracy. Like it's not impressive accuracy. It's just he's accurate. It's a you're above average a- accurate. It's just, he's, he's making <laughs> well, the right calls. Well, like 
it's, it's, we're going if you're making topic, the right but... calls, it, it, it makes it hard to look impressive when you make the right call. When you make the right call, the, the receiver is open. So it's hard to look impressive when you're making the right call. Um, wouldn't that make you more impressive? But let's let's get back to by decision we making, about. yeah. By decision making, yes. But you're right, you're right, you're right. Wait, 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 wait. Off but, the island. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, you were talking about the trade to the Bears. What would the Bears give up for Cam Newton? And that was that was the scary thing I was thinking about. I was thinking, hell no, I'm not giving up uh, Cleo Mack. Hell, hell no, I'm not doing that. Um, so the Bears probably got a couple pieces pieces that. The <laughs> that Panthers would want, but I really don't know what pieces they are. They may be like one receiver out there, and I'm not, not really. sure what other the hole they have in their offense or their defense. I'm not sure what hole they have, like whatever hole they think they need to fill, because their defense is it's definitely pretty good. It's not great, but it's pretty good. I don't know who's the worst person on their defense, and their offense is pretty doing doing pretty damn well because Kyle Allen is making the right decisions and. McCaffrey is out here being an MVP. He had three touchdowns just on Sunday. Yeah, so I, I don't see the situation where they trade him to the Bears. I mean, it's, it looks great for the Bears, but what if the Panthers get him returned? I think they can find some spots. Something to fill. Or they can get some draft picks. I don't know what uh, what they have. I really don't know what the Bears have by draft picks or by extra players that aren't like star players. I really just don't know. Nobody really pays that much attention to the Bears. Well, going by this year, they'll have a pretty high pick. So the next two years, the next two first round picks, that would be a a pretty good trade for Cam Newton. Yeah. Why not? Because then you can add on even more. It's, it's, come on. It's, I just, I'm just looking there or maybe the chargers. That might be a great one. Uh, the tra- Chargers, but I don't think they would trade out on Philip Rivers. They're, they're never going to give away uh, Philip Rivers. He's just going to retire there. But that would be a great trade because they would actually really love Philip Rivers being on the Panthers, and uh, Cam Newton would fit really great on the Chargers because they have a whole lot of great talent. Yeah, but then you got to give up some of that talent. So it's it's always no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm saying like a trade, even trade. Is but it that's even trade stupid. though? It's, it's actually stupid. No, they have to get a pick too because Philip Rivers is old. So you you got to get more. You got to get more. You're right. That's <laughs> yeah. a stupid trade. You don't even <laughs> unless you think you got the team to run for a Super Bowl like right now. It's it's not an even trade. Mm, well, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure with the Panthers because they're being quite successful so far. Um, but we move on to Deshaun Watson, uh, where he continues to impress as QB for the Texans. Now, Sunday morning in London, uh, overseas game uh, against the Jaguars, the Texans really handled the Jaguars, uh, where Deshaun Watson put up stats of going for attempts, 22 of 28, 201 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He continues to be impressive. To quote, um, John Gruden, just a week ago when they were playing against the Raiders, he says it's like playing against Michael Jordan. It, that's very high praise, even for John Gruden. Um, but through nine games this season, the son Watson has put up already 2,432 yards, 18 touchdowns, only five interceptions, and has maintained a 109.1 QB rating. With 
carrying his team to six and three record. So is it safe to say Deshaun Watson is underrated and was underrated when he was drafted? I wouldn't say he's underrated now because he does get a lot of attention, but he was underrated when it came to his the draft. I'm not sure why teams looked at him as a risk um, because you had Mitchell Trubisky come in, I think, as the first or second overall pick, and the Bears look very stupid for drafting him when you could have had Mahomes, too. I mean, they, they, there was so many other choices they could have made other than Mitchell Trubisky. But coming into the draft, um, Deshaun Watson – he had been to two national ch- uh, championships. Isn't that proof enough that he can play on a big stage and perform well? I I, I think that's a chance they should have taken. Uh, agreed. Completely agreed. And to put the stats in front of you, because I was actually going to pull those up, uh, or I already had them, uh, Mitchell Trubisky actually went number two to the Bears and did pass up on getting Patrick Mahomes, who went at number 10 and Deshaun Watson at number 12, and he's been quite, quite impressive. I would say he has been underrated. Nobody really thought he could be such a significant change on a team. Like, he is a complete star player. He is your quintessential quarterback. Like, you really look at him as a sit-in-the-pocket quarterback, but he is amazing at running also. He is good at making decision-making, big-time decision-making. But the thing that was holding his, I guess, perception up is they thought that he was a system quarterback because Clemson has had a whole lot of success in the past couple years. Yes, um, but still, I don't see why you don't go and – get Deshaun Watson. He played at a high level in college on one of the biggest stages. Why pick Mitchell Trubisky? I'm not sure why they chose him. I had never even heard of him before the draft and they picked him. I, the, the Bears, they look completely stupid and dumb for picking him. Deshaun Watson, whenever he first came into the league, he was ripping through the league. Like He he would have been rookie of the year if he didn't get injured. That's how good he was whenever he first came into the league. And he's only gotten better. So we, the sky's the limit for him. Um, him and Patrick Mahomes will have a lot of great duels coming up in the future. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so where do you place or have his placement in the elite quarterbacks in the league right now? I would have to say that he is probably top 10 right now. I'm not sure where he falls in that top 10, but I would say he is top 10 right now. Deshaun Watson, he has played at a very high level, and I would say he is in the running for MVP for what he's doing with his team. He doesn't have all of the greatest weapons. I mean, he does have DeAndre Hopkins, but he – his running game isn't the best. His offensive line isn't the best. And his defense is pretty mediocre. So he's really carrying this team. Uh, Agreed. So I thought that your response of top 10 was disrespectful. I think he's <laughs> top five. <laughs> I just right now, like what we're seeing right now and what we've seen for the past three years 
been in the league, he has not gone lower than a one one hundred and four point one uh, QB rating, which is quite amazing. Uh, that's your uh, interception versus yards versus everything you do as a quarterback ratio. Um, what you do on third down, conversions, everything. And especially with him having such a uh, deficiency on the offensive line, the people who's blocking him, along with his defense not really showing up. J.J. Uh, Watts out for the entire season, and he lost Clowney to the Seahawks uh, just this past season, and he's still pulling off miracles. So I say he, like, I'm going to place it because I'm going to look at this real quick. Uh, I say he's only behind Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson's been doing it for a while, but he's coming up on Russell Wilson status uh, where he, he is sticking in the pocket quarterback, but he runs at the right, right time. And he can pull off things where offensive lines aren't really sticking in there for him. And it's not like he has the greatest, greatest height. Um, so, I would say it goes like I'm putting Aaron Rodgers under him. I'm sorry. I'm putting Aaron Rodgers under him. I'm sorry because he's been lazy. Like he has great talent, but he's lazy about it. Like he's he like he makes the right decision. I think he, there's a certain amount of laziness to 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 his talent. Like he, it's just like I got it. I can do what I want. When I just see in other quarterbacks like, hey, I'm gonna do do and put everything into it. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just have that perception of him. So just quickly, I'll, I'll quickly say it. Uh, I'm, I'm putting Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. That's the list for the top five. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you said laziness. I, I think you you want to say arrogance because he definitely Maybe that's has it. that. He Maybe definitely that's has it. that. But I think it's that it's, it's a different arrogance that turns into a certain type of laziness, a laziness attitude about what he has to do and what he don't have to do for the team. I, I can see your point. Like it, he doesn't have to do this. That's your job. Don't yeah, exactly. look at me to do this. So I think we both like. I agree with both. Yeah, I agree. Yes, arrogance completely. <laughs> he definitely does have that arrogance. Um. But I think he's kind of toned it down with this newer team. Um, he's kind of taken a back seat to some things. And he turned he's... into Brett Favre. <laughs> and I like Brett Favre, but he turned into Brett Favre, the, the, not the less likable Brett Favre. Well, I, I think Aaron Rodgers has always been this way. He He's never been anything else. True, but you you know even his statements uh, like maybe a year ago, two years ago, it probably was a year ago, where he was saying, "I see how you felt, uh, Brett Favre, about not wanting to groom the other quarterback they're bringing in and everything." I think he just turned into the less likable Brett Favre. Yeah, but I, as far as us, I, I think he's less likable. But for everybody else on the outside, he he's looked at as a deity. <laughs> <laughs> the quintessential quarterback who's so super talented. Yeah, oh my he, God. He, he's he's the best ever. Nobody's ever been better. Yeah, yeah, I hear that a lot too. But uh, move on. We're we're going to an actual surprise here. The Dolphins get their first win of the year, beating the Jets twenty six to eighteen. Knowing they are planning on tanking this season, was this a win? Uh, 
was this win an unfortunate accident, or is it really more a moment now of celebration? I think this uh, this is cause for celebration because the Dolphins they weren't going to get too many chances to win, and this might be their only one. Uh, the the Dolphins they have been absolutely awful, but they do have a quarterback who can put up stats in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to throw the ball even if the guy is quadruple doubled. And that's why he's been on so many different teams, because he's just a turnover machine. But he does have the good games, and he just had a, a very good game. And the Jets, they, they're not a good team either. I think well, they only have one win, too. So, I mean, it was bound to happen, um, and this was their opportunity that they cashed in on. I think they pulled the short straw. They was out here really in the locker room. Hey, one of us got to lose today. I already got my loss over here. So if you pull the short straw, you got to lose today. I think that's how it really was. <laughs> but uh, a little bit more serious. I think this is a moment for a celebration for the Miami Dolphins because even as bad as they've been trying to be, the traded enough players, trying to lose, all of, like just bad decision-making on purpose, they're still pretty good. I think they actually, out of these like past nine games, I'm not sure whether they had a bye week or not, but out of these nine games, I think they would have gotten at minimum three of those games. Minimum. So they're actually a little bit better than they thought, even though they keep trying to get worse. Well, yeah, the, the Dolphins, they are not in a like, very awful team. They do have a new head coach and a a revolving door at quarterback. They don't know whether they want to play Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen. Um, really, both quarterbacks have been outcasts from their team, and they're just trying to make do with what they have, um, while also trying to collect some picks so they can build a better team. Yeah. I actually, I can see, like, perception-wise, I can see Cam Newton in Miami. I don't know about whether it fits as a team, but can't you imagine him with his wild outfits being in Miami? He would absolutely <laughs> love it. He would fit in. He would definitely fit in. Yeah, just, yeah. so we maybe need to look into that. So now we go into the Browns, which have been a pretty much a disappointment this year. Uh, with the loss of this past Sunday, they now, against the Denver Broncos, which have not been that great this year, uh, they are now two and six, which doesn't spell too well with their schedule getting a whole lot easier. So I ask, who's really being disserviced in this situation? Is it the Browns fans, Baker Mayfield, or Odell Beckham? I think it's really the Browns fans because they sold them a big hope. A big hope that they would be at least a playoff team, maybe even a slight Super Bowl contender, but maybe on their way at some point. But now all of those dreams have been thrown in the trash because the Browns have been a huge disappointment. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it has been a complete disappointment. But I, I think it's kind of a tie between Odell Beckham and the fans. Because Odin Beckham was also sold the same dream of getting the ball. Uh, he thought he had a certified quarterback. Little did he know he got a worse quarterback than the one he had, Eli Manning. That's 
unfathomable. But Baker Mayfield had, is the last quarterback on uh, player efficiency, uh, turnover ratio in every category as a quarterback, and that's behind all the starting quarterbacks out here. Uh, so in just to pour it on, Oda Beckham has not had a touchdown since week two. Yeah, that's terrible. I'm pretty sure that was against the Jets, the one game that they, I guess, dominated. Well, they, they did dominate the Ravens. But even in that game, Odell didn't really get much of anything. But Odell, yeah, he has been victimized, but it's really the fans. The, the fans, they were really sold on a, like at least a, a great season or, or a good season because they have suffered for so long. And they thought they finally made it. But, no, they're still the Browns, and they're terrible. Yeah, it's all commercial hype. They have a worse record than they had last year, uh, simply because last year they at least had a tie on the end of these wins. Um, So I'll I'll go ahead and ask, uh, what is the best corrective action for the Browns at this point for their season not to be a complete goner? I don't think there is anything that can save their season. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty much over. They, I mean, they do have an easier schedule going forward from here, but it's not like they can't lose all these games. I, really, I only see them winning maybe half of their games now because they they have not lived up to anything. Their, their season is over. There's nothing that can save this season. And that's crazy when there are still six games to go in a season. Uh, sorry, not more than six games. There's actually eight games still left for them because they're six and two. Um, so there are still half games out there. So the only thing I see really helping them, uh, it's, just, it's easy to say it on this end, but just get the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it is easy to say it on this end, but, I mean, you force it to him too much. He's going to turn the ball over like he's been doing this whole season. And I'm talking about Baker Mayfield because I I don't know what it is, but they just don't have that connection. And he's just playing terrible Baker Mayfield. Um, Odell, he he's a lot better than what he's being victimized as. Like he's he he's he's a lot better. Um, really, he got the same type of quarterback when it came to Eli Manning and Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I, I agreed. I think this is hurting his legacy. He's not getting touchdowns. Odell Beckham has been held as one of the top receivers in the league, and the other top receiver is not even in the league right now, Antonio Brown. Uh, players are looking at him, but he's not in the league right now. So this is really hurting Odell Beckham's stock and how he wants to be uh, seen as a more public figure figure outside of football. Yeah, Um yeah, with Odell, even though his team wasn't winning, whenever he was on the Giants, he was still putting up stats. But in this case, he's not getting either one wins or stats. Agreed, agreed. So we're going to go to the team they lost to last week, the Patriots. We kind of seen, if you've uh, kind of been on social media, things like that, ESPN, you'll see where Oda Beckham was handing the shoes off to uh, Tom Brady. I think he's actually lobbying to be on the Patriots. But the following week, the first loss has come for the New England Patriots. It has come by the uh, Baltimore Ravens, which they've 
shown to always have a Achilles heel when it comes to mobile and throwing quarterbacks, a dual threat quarterback. So I ask, is this something, nothing, or everything that the Patriots have caught their first loss? I, I think it's something. Um, the competition that they were going up the first eight games of the season, no, first seven games of the season, sent to the level of the competition that they'll see later on. And some of their weaker points got exposed. And it still will continue to go on, but I don't think they're as bad as the score showed. And also the Ravens, they had a whole bye week. So they were looking forward to this game. Like they, they were trying to go out and show the world that they are something to mess with. And the Ravens, I think they said this was their first primetime game. So they were really looking forward to this. The, the Ravens had plenty of time to prepare for this. Um, the Patriots, they, I mean, they had time, but not as much time. And I don't think they were exactly ready for this game. Um, and like you said, the Patriots do have a little bit of history with struggling with mobile quarterbacks. I would say Cam Newton is one of them um, because I think the last couple of times he's actually beaten them. But I think some different factors led to that. I think it's something when it comes to the Patriots. Uh, they've lost now to a mobile quarterback, and it's really shown that their offense needs weapons. They've lost their two biggest targets with Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. Uh, Seahawks have picked them up off of waivers and even was looking at Antonio Brown as picking them up. But the Patriots look like they really need a receiver. Um, so that's what it really shows. It, does, it really didn't show much weakness in the defense other than the same Achilles heel that uh, uh, Bill Belichick has had when it comes to mobile quarterbacks who can actually stick in there and make the right decisions on whether they need to run or they need to pass. Uh, so I, I say it's something, but it's not everything. Yeah, it's not everything. Um, I, but I actually do think the defense is better than what they showed they just weren't exactly ready for that. They they weren't, I guess, properly prepared for that game. I, I thought the defense, they definitely gave up too much. They weren't playing like they usually do. And the Ravens are a pretty good offense that the Patriots have not faced this year. Like, the Patriots have not faced anywhere near that type of offense or even that level. So... This this is really, I think, a, a good thing that they lost this game. It, it can really open their eyes and give them a chance to improve on what they've been lacking on. Okay. So uh, since you think this is a good thing, do you see the uh, Ravens being uh, the Patriots still Achilles heel if they face each other in the playoffs? No, I wouldn't say they are the Achilles Hill. The defense would definitely play better. They're not going to give up that many yards on the ground. And um, I would say that the Ravens defense is good, but it's not like it's unbeatable. Um, there are multiple times where the the defense got beat, but they made plays to win that game. When it comes to this team, it's completely a defense. Yeah, this It's not really – showing that they have the quote-unquote GOAT. It looking, it's looking like an old GOAT at this point, and he does not have a lot of weapons to help him along to this possible Super Bowl run. Um, 
because they are playing at a Super Bowl level, uh, undefeated up to this point. But I say the Ravens can be that Achilles heel. And if they do face each other, if the Patriots don't come up with some better weapons, they will lose to the Ravens again. I don't know about that. I, I, I don't really see that. I mean, Bill Belichick is really good at making adjustments. And I, I trust from the history of Bill Belichick and the Patriots that they'll make adjustments if they do meet again. Um, but I, I think the Patriots have bigger problems than the Ravens when it comes to uh the biggest threat to their team chiefs texans I, I i think those teams are better than uh, ravens okay i i can give you that with the texans because the deshaun watson makes the correct, correct decisions and is showing that he is kind of jordan like uh when it comes to football um lamar jackson's simply fast and he he's He's just really big Achilles heel. And Patrick Mahomes is pretty good also. So I can see why you can see there are bigger threats uh, because the quarterbacks seem to make even better decisions than the Ravens. But it's all of these quarterbacks are playing in a, on a MVP-type level, even though Mahomes has been out for the past two weeks. Yeah, um, I, I would say that Deshaun Watson has played the best in this season when you put all three of those quarterbacks together. When you compare those three. Agreed. Agreed. So we're going to end it off there and go into the questions. This will be real quick. Uh, like always, it is multiple choice. Your guess is about as good as mine. Muhammad comes up with the questions. And I try to give you a little commentary or history on what I do know. So go ahead with the first question, Muhammad. Which of the following NBA players is currently leading the NBA in steals? A, Kawhi Leonard. B, Ben Simmons, or C, Russell Westbrook? In steals, right? Yeah, in steals. Whew. Uh, I didn't expect you to go with current. Um, so that's throwing me off a little bit. I, I, I might be able to guess this one, but go ahead and with the question and answer again for him. The following NBA players is currently leading the NBA in steals. A, Kawhi Leonard. B, Ben Simmons or C Russell Westbrook. I okay, so it's been very iconic that Kawhi's been stealing the balls from a lot of these players, but I really, really think it's going to be R Russell Westbrook. But uh, I don't know. I I'll go with Russell Westbrook on this one. That is wrong. It's yeah. actually Ben Simmons. Ah, I, I just haven't paid attention to him until he can hit an outside shot. <laughs> well, he, he can do other things rather than just shoot. He can play defense. I, I, I hear you. I hear you, but I have not paid attention to his steals. <laughs> I guess you just have to pay closer attention to the team. But on to the next one. What NFL okay. team currently in week 10 has the most total team sacks. A, 49ers, B, Panthers, or C, Patriots? Currently has the most sacks. Hmm. Man, uh, 
once again, you might have slumped me on this one. Uh, but go ahead again with the question and answer. What NFL team currently in Week 10 has the most total team sacks? A, 49ers, B, Panthers, or C, Patriots? That is hard because those are the three top defenses uh, right now. Uh, I'm Patriot, sorry, the Panthers might be a little bit lower than those, but I know San Fran and the Patriots are the top two. Um, but I'm actually going to go with the lesser answer here. I think it's the Panthers, so I'll go with the Panthers. That is actually correct. They lead the league in sacks, the Panthers, Carolina Panthers. That's that's big. And go ahead with the last question. That is really, it's really big. Yeah. So what NFL team currently leads the league in total passing yards per game? A, Falcons, B, Chiefs, or C, Rams? Hey, this is a hard question because if it's the Falcons, I really don't understand this. Uh, but just because they're so horrible this year, but I could possibly see them being the one who has the most passing yards but no wins. Uh, but go ahead again with the question and answer. That's not my official answer. What NFL team currently leads the league in total passing yards per game? A, Falcons, B, Chiefs, or C, Rams? This is actually kind of hard because I don't think it's the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes has been out. Uh, the backups have been doing pretty good, but I just don't think it's the Chiefs. This is the most obvious answer. Um, like I said, it could end up being the Atlanta Falcons. What was the third answer? Was it the Rams? Yes, it was the Rams. Okay, so it could be the Rams, but I'm going to go with the obscure answer. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. That is correct. Wow. Yeah, Matt Ryan, he's actually been putting up a, a good amount of stats um, throughout the games. I mean, he, he didn't play the last game, but he, he's been putting up a good amount of stats. But all for what? Uh, I, what? Do they have more than three wins this year? I, I really don't even know. Three. I mean, I think they only have one. Wow. That's that's ridiculous. Because I'm actually going to look really, really quickly here as we end off. Uh, at They're one and seven. Oh, wow. That is completely ridiculous when you have all these yards but no wins. Something has to be wrong. But uh, Their defense? Admit, yeah, their defense. But I, it seems like it has to be more than that. Offense does sometimes overcome a bad defense as the Chiefs. But we'll end it there. Um, we'll catch you next week on Wednesday when the next episode come out. Of course, make comments, uh, suggestions. We're going to give you the best of what's going on throughout the week in the world of sports. And this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Good night.